Niños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemí, Frin y Cubillas y el gran Perico León Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la selección I'm your host Brian Birdie and I'm joining you from New Peru I'm still without my camera, I haven't mentioned this in a few weeks But I'm not going to ramble on, so let's uh, introduce the, uh, the panelists Kevin Montalban, he's back from uh, after being absent last week how are you, Kevin? How's it going, guys? Doing pretty well. All right. And uh, uh, next next up is Swampert, or sorry, Peter, because uh, he's been swamped. So uh, oh. how are you, Peter? Yeah, swamped. You said it right there. Um, but I'm doing doing well. Happy to, uh, to finally be off the grind here and to just uh, relax and to talk Peruvian football with, with everybody here. So looking forward to it. And it's a very happy time for Peruvian football, actually. Yes, no Groundhog Day. Yes. No, no Groundhog Day. Firstly, the leagues, the league starts. And uh, some of the Peruvians abroad have actually been doing quite well. Like they, they're doing better than how they ended the Western Hemisphere season, or at least uh, the America season. So uh, it's, it's been a lot better. Yeah, those are the three topics we want to talk about today. So it's a good transition, I think. And uh, yeah, let's, let's go on to the first one, the most important one, uh, the non-Groundhog Day, which is kind of weird because Groundhog Day was just last week. But luckily, it didn't coincide with Melgada. Well, at least the second leg, which is the one that mattered. So, yeah, uh, let's start with Melgada. A very professional win for uh, El Domino, it has to be said. I wouldn't say they were comfortably better side, but they were definitely the one that, whenever they went forward, it looked like they were going to convert their chances. Whereas Chile never looked like scoring. They had, like, three chances in the, in the two games. Whereas Melgada had more chances. In the, I don't know if they had more than three chances in the first game. At least not clear cut. But they had a lot of dangerous chances in the first 25 minutes of this second leg alone. We Chile were very disappointing for Chilean standards, so I can see the Chilean frustration. But I believe I was the one who said that the Chileans were pessimistic for something. No, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess I guess you were, and I guess for fair fair reason. Uh, but I think, look, end of the day, yes, the Chile came with everything they they got uh, in the second leg, as I think we all expected, but. For the most part, maybe outside of a couple of really good chances, and it must be said Carlos Castillo was actually very solid today, and I guess you could also argue the first leg as well, they did not really threaten too, too much, which was kind of surprising because I think to anybody who's sort of seen this story before, you might have thought, okay, here comes the onslaught, here comes the rampage, Uda Chile is going to just break down the walls and, and, and find those you know one or two goals that they need to advance, but must be said, Melgar were actually very solid for, I would say, the vast majority of the 90 minutes today. Um, and that is very encouraging. I thought defensively, especially Alexis Arias was a monster. Uh, John Marvais as well, probably the best player for Melgar over the two legs, it has to be said. Um, and unsung hero for me, I believe, anyways, and I'm sure Brian would agree with this, but uh, Leonardo Mifli, converted left back, has shown himself very, very well in these two games and could maybe turn into a, a pretty solid option for them. So all in all, I mean, it has to be said, this is, this is a very successful day for Melgar and a good day for Peruvian football too. Yeah, it's a successful. Before we go into Kevin, I, I do want to uh, kind of expand on Peter's point, which I don't think is going to be a big problem for now, but uh, it, it might be a big up to the group stage. Well, not even in the group stage. I'll, I'll explain why. Basically, over the two legs, well, Melgar... I'm not sure if they can hold this defensively over the two, over two legs and it's a stronger side. I think Uzi Chile was just very weak offensively. 
Uh, part of that, I also, also have to do with uh, Bielma and Narvaez just being on top form defensively. But uh, uh, I, I, it has to be said that uh, if they do look at the Brazilian or Argentinian side, sorry, I think it, uh, it could be a little bit tougher to hold on to that. So I think that they got to finish their games more often uh, at, at home for being able to do that uh, away. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's definitely the, a big concern. I don't think it should be too concerning for now because uh, they play Caracas next. And uh, despite how annoyed I am at Caracas for being one guy last season, I think that um, uh, I think that Melgar should be getting through the group stage. I mean, there's really no excuse at this point because uh, Caracas, they're not a bad team. They have a good manager in San Vicente, despite what some people say about his horrendous qualifying campaign in Venezuela. Uh, I think that he is a good manager at club level. And he's shown it several times, especially after just knocking out a very good Delphine side. So it's not that they're definitely not a weak team. They're definitely better than a wider. I'll say that much. Uh, so, Kevin, what do you think of the game? Well, let's get your thoughts before we battle on too much. So I, I was a little nervous going into this. You know, a 1-0 lead for Peruvian sides is uh, it's like a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? They were very professional. You, you could see the hand of the of the coach. Because they kept their cool for almost all of the game. Obviously, there was there was a red card, which uh, I thought would, was the moment when everything would fall apart. But they kept it going. They kept their form, and they they held on to pass through. So I'm I'm very excited to to see them in the next round against uh, Caracas. Uh, aside from you know me fleeing Arias uh, and Narvaez, I I want to say Caseda has actually surprised me. I mean. It wasn't a huge highlight reel, but never lost his cool, was always in the right spot. Mm-hmm. That's probably why it didn't look, you know, very, very fancy what he did, but he was always there. Casada looked better than any of his performances at Garcia Lasso ever. So I'm sure our buddy Joe, who might be a future fan of the podcast, is watching that throwing his TV into, into, out the window because Garcia Lasso looks awful. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think the Melgar were very solid, like I said. It's kind of weird because we've only had this podcast five minutes, and we usually, when we talk about the losses, we usually spend a long time talking about it. Now we're finally happy we're talking about it for like five minutes. But I'm running out of topics here. But uh, I guess we'll talk about the Caracas game next, which uh, what, I guess we'll talk about, analyze some of the errors we saw in Melgar over the past two legs. Uh, I've already pinpointed to one, which is the, that I don't think it should be a problem against Caracas, but it might be a problem later on, especially if they lose and go down to so many and then get a strong team. Then it might be a problem. That basically is uh, parking the bus too early, which sometimes can be a mistake. I mean, I know they're capable of doing it, but I, sometimes I think attacks the best form of defense, and uh, you gotta, you really gotta be careful uh, about maybe park the bus, especially when, especially when uh, considering Milgan looked very good for the first 25 minutes of this game. Uh, I thought uh, they they got very lucky with that slip in the first half, that Ulucci slip, which basically left Cuesta offside for that first disallowed goal. So. I was very happy. My main, my main only concern for the next match at Caracas is that Freitas sending off. Now, Freitas, it's a bit premature, but he's looking like an absolute coup early days. So I'm struggling to think of Melgar's option at the bench. Like, I don't like Angel Romero. I mean, I, I don't think he's a very good option to uh, place Freitas. And uh, there's, there's Darwin Lelo who could do a job, but I think uh, he might be kept more as a sub. Uh, we'll see what uh, Paul Tasso does, but I prefer Leodo over Angel Romero if he even plays as a midfielder because sometimes I struggle to identify if he's a fullback or a midfielder. 
What do you think, Peter? <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you. Look, I mean, it's not terrible to have someone like Angel Romero on the bench, I guess, if, if that's like what his role is and he has to fill in. But obviously in a high-profile match like one or, well, obviously one against Caracas, you do kind of worry a little bit as to how he'll kind of fare. But I, I'm also with you there on the and, – and I mentioned this after the first leg as well. Actually, we both mentioned it after the first leg. That really could have gone wrong for them, uh, sitting back and, and, and sort of just letting off you know, their foot off the gas and, and just kind of inviting pressure from Ude Chile because, I mean, they did have a couple of pretty strong chances to get a, a late equalizer, and that would have been pretty devastating. The other slight concern I would have is – it was mainly in the first half of, of the first leg and maybe to a slight degree in the second leg as well. When they would get into the box, they almost looked a little bit hesitant to shoot and or just could not get clean shots off. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done in order to actually execute, but the way they were unlocking space in the final third, those runs quest that was making off the ball, it was so promising. And then it was just lacking the one important thing, which was obviously the goals. Um, and that to me could come with time because it's clear that they're still slightly adjusting to Pautaso, although so far it's, it's looking pretty good considering he's only had two competitive games. But that's one area that I would maybe look at as, as a slight concern from a Melgar point of view going into the, into the third round of, of these qualifiers. Okay, so I gave Jordan Sanchez some credit. He was a flop at Cristal, but I think he's back to his best. Like, he was called up for a national team, this is summer team for a reason. And uh, it's good to see him back. He is out of Quipeño, so it's he's good to see him back in his boyhood town or boyhood city, whatever you want to call it. Good for good Jordan Sanchez. And I'm still wondering when we're going to see Gino Guerrero, which has never really recovered after that whole pedophilia scandal in uh, Paraguay. But uh, he's still a very good player, and uh, I do hope he gets some time again. But other than that, yeah, I mean, they're to have lost some depth. And it really showed it. It really shows us about some of the sums they make. Like last season, they replaced one good player with another good or better player. This season, they really lose some quality when they make subs. And I, you could see that within the bench as well. Like I knew before the match, like the subs, they just aren't that good. All right, Kevin, what, what, what else do you want to say about the match? Get with what me and Peter are saying. So I, I was just going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the match against Caracas. I, I want to say that the first match is in Arequipa. So I, I think we might see a, a more offensive-minded lineup like we did in, in the first match against Ude Chile. So I, I think the loss of, of Freitas might not affect them as much because we might see, you know, like a two-striker system and then maybe drop George Sanchez with Arias and sit in the midfield distributing for for um, Cuesta and, and Posito. All right, Peter, what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I mean, Baltasso, I think, isn't afraid to to change it up. And certainly, if he senses that there's maybe a weakness in the heart of the midfield, and considering that they are obviously going to be at home, it looks like, for the first game, they probably will try to at least get a couple goals in that first game and try to kill it pretty much right away. So then, in the second leg, when Freitas comes back, then they can maybe focus on maybe being slightly more defensive if they have to be. So, yeah, I mean, th there are still options for him. It's not like he just has to make a like-for-like -like replacement, which I guess is, is good of him because even though we maybe did have a couple concerns about their squad depth, at least in comparison to the second half of last season, I still think they have a couple of decent options to go with, which is obviously ideal. I agree with Kevin as well. I think that uh, – and, and, and Peter's expanded points about Milgada 
a part of trying to kill off the game and uh, playing back with the two striker system. Because Costa looked very good in that first game. I know Bingo Chia is gone, and I'm gonna have another pop at him. But uh, I think it really, I think it really showed that like Costa is a good player, but he like playing, he can't play alone. He has to play in a two striker system. And Bingo Chia just tried to put him all the way up by himself. And they just throw direct balls and long balls and to see if he can hold it up. That's another player Posito is like he's a player who runs into the fence and tries to make uh, diagonal runs to open up space. But he's not he's not a player, he's not a guerrero like player. He's not a player who's gonna hold it up for everyone to go through. When, whenever he played with a with a partner, whether it was an attacking midfielder or a striker, he would score. It wasn't all because of the altitude. I'm not convinced that he's exactly an altitude player. I just think that uh, when he was playing the right, when he was deployed the right way, when he was playing with a partner, that's when he did well. So I think that Cuesta and Bosito are going to be a very good strike partnership this year, at least for Peruvian standards. And uh, yeah, about Melgar versus Caracas, uh, boy, I haven't really given my proper opinion in the match, but I think that Melgar will go through. Uh, it, it really depends on them. I think if they, they keep the clean sheet in the first match and win it, then I think they're definitely going through. Um, Caracas are not, a, they're better in a wide like I said, but they are, um, they, they are probably inferior to Melgar. Like, even last season, I thought that their win away to Juan was really just due to bottling and a very lucky win. You know, when your keeper's not saying anything, it's badly positioned most of the time. Your defense isn't good enough. Of course, you're prone to loss like that, like Juan uh, lost against Caracas last year. Uh, Melgar is not like that. I'm not convinced of Casada yet, but Melgar is a very good backline, arguably the best in Peru. And uh, even when you take up Villalba and Armaez, even if one of them gets injured, you have Fuentes in there, who's also very, very good. So I think that that is um, that's definitely a plus. Is there any is there any other comments you guys want to add before we move on to the league discussion? There was one th- just to kind of follow up on your point about Caracas and kind of looking ahead to that, which I'm sure we'll probably get more in depth in, on on the next show. But it, it it is, I mean, a very solid point to make that people forget that 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 one Kyle matchup. We were all very high on one Kyle going into that. In, in, into that two-legged affair, and for whatever reason, they did not train before the b- before the first leg. It, it was the strangest thing I had ever seen. Because you know you're off for what is it? I think they were off for a month or so um, during the World Cup uh, in, in the league, and yet there there was like no training session. I think up until I want to say six or seven days before the game, and I think they only had about two or three sessions in general. And, and not to mention, this Melgar, when you compare him to Huancayo at around that time, what would it be? I guess April or, or no, I guess July it would have yeah, been. Yeah. Um, so you compare that Huancayo from July to this Melgar as currently constituted, not to mention the fact that I think Baltaso is one of the top two coaches in the league, along with Russo. Um, I feel like they won't slip up quite in that way, and I feel like that they do have a pretty decent chance. Yeah, uh, one guy already were missing an attacking player. I I think they were I think they're lo- them losing Monsalvo was really really hurt their chances in the league and the uh, Sudamericana. But it's it's kind of hard to compare the two situations. Melgar is a lot better than one guy was at that time. So Melgar's group, uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but should Melgar be Caracas, they're gonna go in a group with Palmeiras, Junior, and San Lorenzo. I don't think Melgar has any history with Palmeiras or San Lorenzo, but they do have a history with Junior. Uh, a few years ago, Reynoso was still in charge. They lost 5-0 in Barranquilla, which was the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana, and the second leg they won 4-0. So they do have a history with Junior, the Barranquilla. Interesting history, too, because, like, like I said, they lost 5-0 in the first leg, but in Arequipa they won 4-0. 
which it was could have been the comeback of the year um, or the decade, let alone the year. And um, it, it wasn't to be, but like this is a much stronger man now. It's a much stronger junior as well. It's just final show Americana. It's, a, it's an interesting one. I think that Mirgana is going to do a lot better in the group should they get through this year. Uh, four or five points like uh, like uh, I'm expecting of Alianza, which it's kind of bold, but I'm expecting more of Alianza and Melgar than I'm of Cristana, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, I think that Melgar have a tough group, not as tough as Alianza's though. And I think that they uh, they could get a few points. I think they'll do better in the last few years uh, in the way they were in the groups. Should they go through, what do you, what do you guys think of Melgar's group? I'll let Kevin go first. I'm gonna be honest. That, that's a tough group. That's that's pretty similar to Alianza's last year. Uh, I, I think yeah. it. Yeah, Palmeiras Junior, and I mean it was Boca instead of San Lorenzo. But a uh, complicated group. I I could see shooting for for Sudamericana spot. Maybe try yeah. to you know play spoiler in that group. But I I don't I don't think they'll make it to the next round. If I'm honest. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll make it to the next round either. But I think they can at least get some fight in there. Peter, what do you think of this group? Well, I mean, I don't think we can really say that we're going to differ on on this point because it is a very difficult group, probably the toughest group that either of the qualifiers could get on paper. But perspective is also needed. If Melgar get into the group stage, I think that that is like a massive uh, check in the positives column for Patasto in his first season because not only does he get Melgar from the second round to the third round in qualifying for the Libertadores, if he gets him into the group stage, having gotten through two rounds previously, um, when many Peruvian clubs have stumbled over over the last few years in the qualifiers, I feel like that has to be a massive, massive positive. And fans of Melgar will be very pleased with that, I think, getting into the group stage. And Pautasso will certainly be happy with that. And if they can obviously compete for the title all season long, that is a fantastic debut campaign for him, as well as a great season in general for the club. No, absolutely. I, I agree with everything. I I personally think Melgar is going to fight the title. I think they're, they're the only ones who have a chance of stopping uh, Alianza Lima. But they, I don't think they have a lot of great depth. Like I said, their signings have been great, but that's very unlikely in the season anyways. Like You have to be really unlucky to get a lot of injuries to your first-team players. So uh, I think they've got to have, like, their first 11, like, if you lose two of their best players, you don't really lose much. And it's not because of the backups. It's because they have so many, like, in defense, they have three or, no, yeah, three star players. Fuentes, uh, one who's, who's probably going to be on the bench this season for most of it. They all broke it, I think. But Andarvaez, who's excellent. Villalba, uh, who's also doing really well. I want to see more of him. I think he's at a bright start. Then there's Freitas. Arias, who, well, Arias, I don't think needs an introduction for long-time listeners in this pod. Freitas, who has looked like a coup of a signing and also played with Aguiar in the Peñarol 2011 final and the Copa Libertadores. Maybe the only weak position that they can suffer from is uh, forwards, which West Ham both get injured. That's a problem. But like I said, that's a very unlikely situation. I just feel like it needs to be brought up to kind of speak for the lack of depth. So um, props to you, Melgara. Uh, you, you, you made the groundhog go back in this hole. It doesn't need to come out again, at least not until two weeks later to see what if they've got a bottle this one. So good on you. Anyways, let's go to the, the league now. We're going to talk about the first match today. We're going to preview it. First match, the first fixture of the league, uh, Alianza Lima versus Sport Boys. This is the fixture I'm most excited about uh, this weekend. Alianza Lima is the team I'm most looking forward to seeing. 
I don't think Sport Boys is going to be a big test, although it, it appears they are getting a new player. I don't think they'll play this Friday. Alinsa Lima, they're very strong. I don't think they'll play their strongest squad in this match. I think they're going to take it a little bit lighter. But uh, they're the sport, they're, they're still play a very strong squad. I still expect to see the forward line of Alfonso, uh, Quevedo, and um, Matanea. That's right. I um, Yeah, i got to get used to this new squad. Uh, players like Cartagena and Galese, I don't think we'll see yet. Game. Maybe Galese to just build a little bit of match fitness for the Libertadores, but otherwise uh, I think Butron and Galese will rotate a lot in the league. A few matches Butron, a few matches Galese. That's the way to do it. You don't play it. So uh, I'll, I'll let Kevin Montalban first because uh, he's the Alianza fan. Uh, do you have any expectations for this game? Pretty high. I just want to want to see uh, that midfield of Cartagena and, and Costa with that fullback support from, from Rosel and Salazar. That to me is is the biggest difference from last year's Alianza. Oh yeah, fullbacks and midfield. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And you know you have a you have a a coach that has a, a different proposition. He seems to be more direct and more more pressure as far as on every in every line, even even the forwards. I, in my opinion, obviously we haven't seen an official match yet. But yeah, yeah, and then and then to see what what Sport Boys is, is proposition is for for this year as well should be entertaining, very traditional side. Like I said, I think boys are going to be the one to go down this year. They're just squad that just not impress me. Although they've had a good preseason, but as we know, preseason isn't everything. The results could be a very, but they can they can lie to you. They can really lie to you uh, for for the upcoming season. But they have had a promising preseason, so I guess you can uh, give them credit for that. You gotta see if it actually translates into elite performances. So yeah, okay, Peter, what do you think of this match then, or this match in general? Kind of continuing to what Kevin said, um, the fullbacks are going to be intriguing to watch because they actually have quality fullbacks for the first time in forever. I feel like that'll add another nice element to the system because obviously under Bengochea, yes, okay, you can argue that the results were there because uh, he won their first league title in 11 years and obviously got them into the Libertadores and, and, and whatnot. But the playing style wasn't always easy on the eye. Maybe now that they've got two of the better fullbacks in the league, um, especially in the modern game where fullbacks are so important, maybe you'll actually see Alianza going back to playing that beautiful style again and, and or at the very least being more stable defensively because at times... Uh, the fullbacks, no matter who played, were like turnstiles, no matter whether it was in Libertadores or in the league. Yeah, okay. One thing I want to say, uh, now you brought up Begochea and the results and whatnot, uh, I think this is going to be not only – this is kind of off-topic, transitioning back to Alianza, but I think this is – you finally going to see some tactical stability in the league, and that's something we've been waiting for for a long time. Begochea, he's only done well in Peru because – the other teams were so tactically unstable that they were the best or not. They had the most quality, so a tactically flawed side was able to win the league. This year, I don't think it's going to be like that because last year wasn't either because Alianza, every time they met a tactically stable side, which is Salas Cristal, bar that one game at the Nacional where they won 2-1, they, they lost every every single game very convincing. So I think Russo's gonna, the side is going to be so much better this year. I can, I can honestly see it. Brian, one, one like additional point to what you just said, I think another reason why, and I know we're kind of going back to the Libertadores talk, but it's still kind of relevant to the league as well. I feel like another major obstacle for Peruvian teams in continental competitions in general 
has been the lack of quality coaches in comparison to other leagues. And I think now yes. that you've got someone like Russo and Baltasso playing in the Libertadores and taking teams with, I mean, it has to be said, stable squads and very good squads into the Libertadores, you're going to see the results. And we've already kind of seen that with Malgar. I'm sure with Alianza, they're actually going to do pretty decently well. At least the coaching quality is there now, and that's something that's been sorely lacking improving from football. Okay, next game is San Martin versus UTC which um, personally I'm expecting a San Martin win, very narrowly, but I think they'll do it. And like I said, I think Utis is going to be one of the favorites to fight relegation this year. So I can see them getting off the poor start. They're way to a team who's probably going to show a lot down there looking to impress. Uh, they might be a bit nervous in the first match today, but I think they'll, I think they'll get the win. What do you guys think, Peter? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Maybe disagree slightly on UTC because I have them making Sudamericana again because Franco Navarro is one of the best. It's funny because he's one of the few like non-Argentinian coaches who's actually quite good at what he does. I, I'll, I'll, I change that to, I'll change that to one of the few Peruvian coaches because there's a few other uh, there's a few other coaches like Chileans that do well, like Cordova. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Okay, so anyway, yeah, one of the few Peruvian coaches who actually like overachieves and, and you can see has some sort of tactical structure, but. The fact that they're going to San Martin, that could be a tricky fixture. I know they had a couple of problems with them last year. But I, I feel like towards the end of the campaign last year, they were making some decent strides. Yes, they lost a couple of key players, but I feel like they could possibly, possibly start out the season here somewhat decent. All right, and what do you think, Kevin, about this one? I've already given my two pieces here, my two cents. I I think the the UTC has honestly gotten gotten a little bit weaker from last year, and and you know the coach can only do so much if, if the team's not willing to invest. So I I actually have UTC just missing out on Sudamericana, so, and I I expect uh, San Martin to basically handle business at home. They always put together an interesting side, and I'm I'm excited to see what new Peruvian products they provide us. Well, there's one product, uh, very good product from San Martin that they're going to provide us with, I think, this season. His name is Franco Sanelato. Problem, he's not Peruvian. He's Paraguayan. So uh, oh. I think I think many people, once they see him and do research that he's not Peruvian, they're going to be very disappointed because he's oh, yeah. very good. <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out. But, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not even sure if he's going to debut this season. I think he should. Next is B Nacional for San Vallejo. Uh, actually, I came off first because uh, I was talking about this. I'm uh, not this game, but I was talking about Venus in our pre uh, podcast with Kevin. And uh, he had a few comments about Venus in our. Uh, so I believe this game is playing Culiacan. Shimon and Abyss here to confirm that for me, but I think it's in Culiacan. I'm very over that's going to be there, uh, which is obviously high, very high altitude, the highest ground in the Primera. So what do you think, Kevin? So for, for this match in, in general, I, I would say it, it favors Binacional and will. I would expect them to win, but I'm also excited to see the, this UCB side. I know that they had like a great lead in second division, like almost all year long, and then they convincingly won the title. So I, I actually have them, you know, overachieving this season and getting into a Sudamericana spot. It's so tough for me to call because the fact that it is in the altitude is always like a big, obviously, determining factor. But I, I mean, I'm pretty bullish on Cesar Vallejo this year. I don't think they'll, that they'll maybe compete for Sudamericana, but I think they'll comfortably be mid-table, um, which I said in the preview last week. I think they can get a draw to this. I think it really all depends, though, on what Super Mantequilla can do. 
b- between the sticks. So, I mean, I, I feel like they can probably grind out a draw here. Being national to me are going to be one of the teams that I think could get relegated this year, but the altitude could save them. I actually don't remember where I put Binacio. That's that's because last week. That's partly down to my short-term memory problems. But that's I also think you because you have them being safe from what I remember. No, I, I don't. I, I know I didn't say them go into relegation. I also didn't say too many kind of which the common denominator is they're probably going to finish mid-table. But I don't remember if they I have them like top half mid-table or like bottom half mid-table. So if, if you could see that as a thing. But uh, I think that uh, Binacio are going to do all right if they. Don't commit the same mistake as Sport Rosario last year, which at the end of last season they looked like they could have done, and they showed signs that they're definitely vulnerable to that issue. So I hope they don't commit that problem, and um, if they don't, they should be safe. And uh, I, I expect them to win this game just because I don't know. I think I was about to say because San Rico just went up from Segunda, an almost amateur league, but they they went to not similar altitude but similar difficult hard places to get. Actually, no, I'm wrong. They're playing similar to SP9 in Cusco. I'm sorry. So they are kind of used to it. But we're going to see. I think they've, like I said, I think Cesare is going to transition this year. That's, that's what he's on this. I guess we'll move on to the next match. Carlos Manucci versus Ayacucho. Now, I have a bold prediction. I think Ayacucho is going to win this one, actually. Uh, Manucci, I'm excited to see what they can offer. But I think that this is going to be like, the, this is going to be like a, kind of like a culture shock for them. Like the first game, they're not going to do too well. I think the team with more Premier experience is going to, is gonna do them this time, and um, Ayacucho is um, has, a reinfor- has reinforced very well, especially with the likes of Preciado, who I think is one of the best players in the bottom half of the league. So, well, in the bottom half of last year's league, rather, because uh, I don't know where Ayacucho is gonna finish this time. So, Peter, what do you think of this game? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think for like a first game back, this is a pretty <laughs> difficult one for Manucci. Um, Ayacucho, to me, were one of the more underrated sides last year. And I feel like they can maybe push on and, and do something decent here. So I would have them getting a win. Now, what do you think, Kevin? So this is Manucci's first time back in, in several years. I expect a you know a full stadium. It's a very big traditional style for Trujillo. And I'm going to say a draw. All right. So uh, I guess it's a quick one. Uh, we can move on to the next match. One uh, guy versus Cristal. So, Peter, what, I'll let you go first before I go Before I go here. What would you say in this game? Well, first of all, Cristal's first two games, which I feel like is like a hammer blow for them, they get Huancayo away, and then they get Alianza at home the next week. So good luck for them in terms of like trying to adjust. But obviously Vivas has come in as their coach. I feel like that's a very good hire, did really well with them in 2013. Probably not a lot of time on the training ground to maybe implement his ideas. I imagine Wankayo wins for that reason, but I feel like Cristal will give them a very strong challenge. I just think they'll come up a little bit short uh, for the reason that they just haven't had enough time on the training ground with Vivas to sort of adjust, whereas Wankayo's obviously had the entire pretty much preseason with Brioni. So we shall see. I said this I said this uh, last week, but I, I think that Wankayo is missing one more attacking player to really make a challenge this season for Libertadores spot. But I, I think with uh, with Gironi, with uh, with uh, the good the good manager he is, I, I think he's getting a little classed as of late in the league because the, the league has been getting much better managers. But I still think he's in the top five. So I think that uh, he's going to uh, do a good job this season. Uh, it's, it's a matter of if they're going to do as well as the Torneo Verano, if he's going to improve upon that, or the signings. Of, and this is just that one missing piece that I keep saying there, there should be 
that's going to let them down. I think we're going to win this narrowly, though. I think Bivas is a very smart appointment because he's already familiar with the Peruvian League. So I think that, that's one thing that uh, really outdoes um, signing a manager at the very last minute compared to signing a manager before preseason like Russo. Because that's one of the problems that Thorogby had when he got to level, for example. All right, Kevin, so what do you think on this one? Right, so I obviously Sporting Cristal has has the least amount of time to get their their stuff together. So I I want to say that this match should go to Juan Cayo since Grioni's been there for for a year. Plus he had his preseason, he's gotten to know all of his guys. Any any recruits that came in were probably you know he had were his decision. So I would say that it sh- it should be Juan Cayo. Yeah, okay. So the next one is a Comercio Breslau. We'll go back to Kevin on this one, actually. So what do you think of this one? This one had a few controversies, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the actual match itself. I want to say that this Lau side is is definitely stronger than last year. They they seem to be gelling well. They're friendlies and just from what I've seen. So I, I think that they're, they're front, you know, of Hoberg, Landera, Quintero, and Dennis should definitely provide an exciting match that they'll definitely be, you know, on the score sheet. Um, it's always in the back where they, you know, they're concerning because you never know who's going to show up for them. All right. Well, uh, I think Lau are going to challenge for uh, all three, th- all three titles. I'm not sure if they're going to win it. I th- well, I think they're going to challenge, but it's that kind of challenge that like they're going to be near the top, but they're not going to be that close ever. Uh, because I have them as making two Americano or Libertadores, which is always kind of a hard one to make out. But I think they will build a much better team than last year. And I think they should look good. Cordoba, I think with these players, he's going to show a lot more than uh, he could have done last year. Now, some people criticize Kevin Dennis for not scoring open play goals. But I think in the link up, he's been very, very good. And the passion he shows out is, is immense. So I think that it sort of influence really does help the team, even if he's not necessarily a goal scorer these days. What do you think, Peter? I agree, um, and I also agree with Kevin in terms of <clears throat> excuse me the defense. That's for me. I think the the angle I really want to look at in this game is because last year I feel like <clears throat> when they made that really strong finish at the end of the season, I think it was right before the the Clasico where uh, they scored really early through Quintero and then they conceded twice kind of late in the second half. Before that, the defense was really overachieving. And they really should have actually performed a lot worse than they actually did. Now, they did make some reinforcements. They did bolster the midfield, which I think was also a bit of an issue and maybe led to those defensive problems. I think initially that's going to be a problem for Lau, at least to start the season. But I will be monitoring them closely in terms of how that defense sort of interacts with each other. All right. So we have two, well, three more matches. That's the problem with having 18 teams. Like, it makes the podcast a lot longer than it should be. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> Melgar, Melgar versus Municipal, which is the opening match last year. Uh, yeah, I think Melgar showed a lot, but I think they're going to have a lot more fight than Uyo Chile did. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that Municipal are better than Uyo Chile. I just think that these, these sort of games sometimes, when you're not as the focus, it might be a little tougher, especially with a Municipal that, uh, that built a very good attacking side, which is something that you might not be able to say for uh, Uyo Chile. Because obviously, they're, so, just as a comparison, you also Tendo which uh, really made them kind of panic panic a little bit. And uh, they had to re- re-jump the whole team, lost a bit of creativity. I think I think Municipal have kind of reinforced that market with the creativity with uh, Bugao and um, uh, Bulos. Is, I- I'm not sure if he's going to start in this one. You never know with him. But I think he's a, he's a good player for this league. 
So, um, yeah, I think Melgada, I think they might have a little bit more of a challenge than Uchile, which is a bold claim. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Municipal are going to get a good game. Uh, what do you guys think? I'll let Kevin go first. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see how, how Bulos, um, Lauraudi, how they, how they do. And I think Melgar will probably feel more of an alternate side since they, you know, they just play Libertadores. And I believe the Caracas game is next week. I'm, I'm not yes. yeah. 100% on that. It is. So, I believe so. 21st, 19th through the 21st, I want to say. Yeah. So, obviously, the, the Libertadores is, is more important. So I, I think that they'll rest players for this first match. All right, Peter, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Kevin. I think for that reason, Municipal will probably at least be able to get a pretty good result, like a draw. Um, ideally, though, I mean, I'll, I'll go a bit bolder and say that they win for the reason that I think Patasso will want to prioritize the Libertadores, at least in these, this early portion of the campaign. Next match, El Pirata versus Garcilaso. My prediction, Garcia, so with 4 now, we will be able to see it because it's on TV. Okay, let's move on. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, you, can go, you can go first. I know that Garcia also do have a couple of problems. Obviously, the Libertadores failure for them was, was unfortunate, but, I, I mean, they have to be the favorites here. No, and, like, pretty significantly. I mean, 4 nil. I know Brian maybe have been might have been a little bit tongue-in-cheek with that, but I'll say 3-0 I'll, I'll for, for, for Garcia Lasso. All right, uh, Kevin, what do you think? So, yeah, for, for me, I, I have uh, Pirata as, as one of my candidates for relegation. So I'm, I'm definitely expecting Garcilaso to, to put in work. I'll, I'll put 2-0. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an <laughs> opening match. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just joking about the 4-0. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think, I think Peter and uh, Kevin's claim is a little closer to what I actually think. Uh, I was kind of just joking because it's not going to be shown on TV. And Pirata, uh, I want them done as soon as possible. They probably are going to be relegated as soon as possible. But, um, yeah, they, they have already problems with the club. Apparently, they've already not paid their first month. They've, uh, they, of course, they don't have a TV deal because apparently they want people to go to the stadiums. They said the TV's not offering enough, and they're going to get more people going to the stadiums, which is a stupid mistake because not no one's going to go see them anyways. Yeah, I feel like I'm just being overly harsh with Pirata, but how can you not be harsh with this team? I mean, they're doing everything wrong. Uh, it's, it's your typical Copa Peru side like San Simon that you don't want to see in Primera, but they do make it because they have the money to survive the amateur division. It's just not the Primera. Uh, I think Garcilaso should get the win here, and, uh, definitely. I just don't think I don't think it's going to be four now. Like I said, I think it's going to be like two now or three now, or maybe even a three-one. Even a Tejada goal uh, coming coming in at some point. Yeah. Okay. The last game is. Alianza Universidad versus Cantolao, also not going to be sold on TV, at least I don't think, I'm not sure if Alianza Universidad got their TV deal sorted yet, but um, this is also not going to be shown on TV. I think the difference with Alianza Universidad is that they actually have money and that they have more fans than Pirata, not a whole lot more, but they do have more fans and they're a more, more traditional team. Yeah, Alianza Universidad, I actually could see them winning this. Uh, Cantolao usually did what, as a comparison, Cantolao played Binacional in the first picture of last year. They won 2 0 in Arequipa. But I think uh, Alias Universidad will win this because I think they have quite a good squad. Yeah, what do you guys think? What do you think, Kevin? I want to say that this one will be a a draw, probably a one-one affair. That's just that's as far as my guess goes on this one. <laughs> okay, Peter, what do you what do you think uh, about this one? 
I would agree with you in that I think Alianza Universidad can win the game. I do like some of the signings they've made. In fact, when we were previewing them last week, until Viz brought them up, I had kind of forgotten about them a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. They've actually had a really impressive impressive offseason in terms of signing players, and, and they seem to be very well run. Canto Laudo, yes, they are a pretty strong opponent for them. I think that's a pretty good test, though. And I feel like that'll be a match. I, I still think Alianza Universidad can win the game. But I feel like facing Cantolao, we'll actually see where the bar is for Alianza in terms of, okay, are they kind of like a, a strong mid-table side that could push into the top half? Or are they more on the lower end that kind of save themselves from relegation but finish like in that, you know, 13-14 range? All right. Well, uh, we're done with the matches. Uh, we have 10 minutes left, so let's see how fast we get the broad section out of the way. Uh, let's, let's see how fast we can get our discussions out and get our points out at the same time. So first off, we have to talk about Alejandro Duarte, who he's not been playing in the Liga MX yet. And I say yet uh, because he, I, I think he could get a chance soon. Uh, Lobos have conceded four goals. And I guess we're going to go back to Silva as well really quickly. Uh, they conceded four goals in the other against Monterrey. Uh, I heard good things about Beto Silva in that match when he came on. And uh, Duarte actually got the team of the week for the Copa Américas. So he's literally doing well. I've seen some of his footage. I think he, he looks like he's doing well, which is definitely good to see. Uh, Peter, well, you're the premier broad expert, so you're going to go first always in this one. What do you think about this? Yeah, and it's funny because obviously when he first moved there, I think we were all kind of high on that because we figured that he was too good for Peru and he deserved the leap up in quality. But obviously he had a couple goalkeepers to usurp. He was actually the number three at times for what was, I believe, the Apertura in 2018. Now he's been given chances in the cup and he's actually done well for himself. Like not only just the saves, but he's looked confident. He's claiming crosses very well. Um, none of the goals he's conceding are anything to do with his, you know, technique or anything like that. And that's a positive. I know he is what, 24 years old, I want to say, which, you know, if he was a forward or a midfielder, that would be maybe like, okay, can he still develop and hit his potential? But as a goalkeeper, you don't really hit your peak until you're about 29 to 32 and maybe even older. So I feel like if he keeps getting these chances, he'll eventually earn an opportunity in the league, and then maybe from there he can win himself either the starting job in Lobos or potentially elsewhere. Here's a question for uh, the listeners. Uh, I'll leave it on the Twitter for those who uh, haven't actually listened or are listening after two days in a reply, so I'll just leave it like for a straight reply. Do you think with Galese return to Alianza Lima, uh, if Duarte potentially gets a chance at Lobos, uh, for the Liga Mekis, do you think he could overtake Galeza's spot in the national team? That is a hot, very hot take, but with Galeca's philosophies, I think it could be possible because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced Galeca's the happiest person in the world. The Galeza have to go back to Alianza Lima again, not his fault, but uh, it, sometimes these things have to happen. So, especially with Galeza possibly rotating with Butron. So, I think that's a question we're not going to answer it here in the pod. We're going to leave that to you guys because we don't have much time to talk about it, and uh, we've talked about the other players. So, yeah, uh, Kevin, uh, why don't you get your quick thoughts on these two? So, I think that it, it's been positive. Duarte got, uh, I believe, te Team of the Week back-to-back uh, -back for Copa MX. I, I saw some of the match. He he was definitely interesting. He, you know, he kept that a clean sheet in the last match. And I don't remember the score off the top of my head for the one before. But he's been solid. Uh, Quinn... Ironically, he has more official matches this year than, than our other keepers since the league hasn't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the next player we want to talk about is uh, a player we've uh, gone on 
uh, about the last two weeks, and it's become one of my favorite movies to watch. I, I, I don't remember how I said that last week, but so Anderson yeah. Santa Maria, who, who keeps impressing in Mexico, and I think he's, I would argue this this little run is better than any of the runs he had in Puebla last year. Of course, we don't know how inconsistent he's going to become. He already had a little bit of a rough patch at the start of the season, but that could have been lack, due to lack of game time. Could have just been him grabbing himself again. Uh, Peter, what, would you, what do you think of this one? Yeah, it was more of the same from him, I think. Um, really no different than any of his three or four previous games when he really showed himself very well. You know, again, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back to sort of his pre-World Cup form or pre-March form with Puebla. And I can't remember him putting together like four really good performances to the point where I'm trying to look for flaws and can't find any flaws. Um, which kind of goes to show you just how far he's grown in the last year since he moved to Mexico, because I don't think any of us really force, you know, saw this coming when he moved to Puebla. And now he's really improving as a defender. He's cleaning out the mistakes. I, I, I'm still a little bit worried because obviously the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. And obviously he kind of fell off a bit of a cliff. Some of that wasn't his fault because he came back from the World Cup, struggled with fitness, and then couldn't get back into Puebla 11. Um, but you want to see him do this week in and week out. So far, obviously, very good signs because, you know, one or two games, yeah, that could, those could be flukes. But when you put four or five together like this, that's a very positive sign, obviously. All right, Kevin, are you happy with uh, Santa Maria's growth in Mexico? Yes, yeah. I mean, obviously, there was that little little rough patch with, with Puebla. But, you know, he, he made his, his loan move to keep getting minutes, and he's he's doing solid. I expect him to continue progressing from there on. All right, now we're going to talk about one more player. We were, we were going to talk about Cueva here, but uh, he just moved to Santos. But uh, I don't think there's much to say yet. I, I mean, just a quick opinion. I, I am happy he moved to Santos. Some people say Sampaoli isn't, uh, isn't the ideal manager for him. But my counter argument is Arturo Vidal, who's much harder to gel than uh, <laughs> and drill than Cueva. So I, I think that they'll be fine. Sampaoli is a strict manager, but I think he'll be fine. I think he doesn't need to. Uh, perform and if he performs week in and week out, then he won't be benched like that. Be that it wasn't kicked off the team when he crashed his car in 2015. I think the more important player we need to talk about now, as the last one, is uh, Luisa Vincula, who we haven't talked about in quite a while actually. And uh, I think he deserves another shout because he's the only proven player in Europe who's performing consistently. Uh, well, besides maybe Tapia, who we're waiting to see him, uh, we're waiting to see him a little bit more, more than just three or four matches. Uh, what Vincula has been doing this all season. So, uh, Peter, what do you think of Vincula's progress? How has he been doing lately? He has been solid. I wouldn't say he's been like outstanding when he first started in August and September, but generally speaking, Rayo Vallecano have kind of been up and down in terms of their form, so I don't think that's necessarily down to him. He's actually still been one of their better players. Um, and when you speak to Spanish journalists who maybe follow uh, Rayo a lot more closely, than you know myself certainly because I tend to only watch them whenever they're available on on TV, which is not rare or sorry not common. But from what I've seen of him, very very good. A couple of weeks ago against Alaves, he was terrific. In the loss to Leganes, I still think he showed himself very well. Espanol, maybe a little bit less impressive compared to the first two games because I still think he's getting in in terms of his attack. He's not getting the opportunities to bomb forward as much as he would probably like to, and that's fair enough because this is a team battling relegation. Um, so maybe the obviously the fullbacks aren't allowed to get forward as much. But defensively, which I think was a really big issue for him in the November friendlies, 
you know, I, I think the fact that he is improving defensively over these past couple of months is a great sign because obviously when you saw him at the World Cup, he was unstoppable on both sides of the ball. You saw him in November when the national team went back to Peru and he looked like a shell of his former self. So it's good to see that over the last few weeks, he has started to correct himself on both sides of the pitch. All right, and Kevin, what is, let's get the last thoughts of the match, uh, the match of the podcast. Kevin, uh, what would you say about this? So I've, I've mostly seen him off, off highlights. So obviously those, you know, are, take that with a grain of salt. But he is he is definitely competing in, in one of the most competitive leagues in the world, and he's doing it consistently, you know, week in, week out. So that, that can only be good for the Selección and for him. And I, I'm happy that he's, he's still going strong there with, with Rayo Ekan. All right. So that's going to end the podcast for today. My name is Brian Birdie, and I'm B underscore Bertie on Twitter. Kevin, what is your Twitter? Hey, I'm Kevin, and my Twitter is kmontelvon7. And Peter, how about you as well as the Peru Waltz Twitter? As always, at GalindoPW for myself, at Peru Waltz for the Peruvian Waltz. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Okay, so that's going to be it. This is the Peruvian Waltz team, and I'm signing off. Corruvinos en el arco, la defensa es colosal. González, Orlando, la torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas. Chalemí, Frin y Cubillas y el gran Perico León. Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la selección.